0: You're listening to an Anna Zaw Ministries podcast.
1: What do you dream about when you're healing in your own back to tank? What are your thoughts on sand? Do you love it? Do you hate it because it gets everywhere? And how can someone who despises glitter so much not mind sand? Well, if you're wrestling with these deep existential questions and you're in good company, Welcome to Systematic Ecology, Episode 31, The Book of Boba Fett, Chapters 1 and 2. In this episode, we're going to discuss that hot new Disney Plus Star Wars episodic story, The Book of Boba Fett. So let's just confess right at the start, spoiler warnings. And in fact, if you haven't seen any Star Wars or you're not familiar with Star Wars, you haven't seen the movies, you haven't watched The Mandalorian, if you haven't watched these two episodes of The Book of Boba Fett, uh, there's going to be spoilers all over this. TJ and I are going to talk a lot of Star Wars and all of it is going to probably come to the surface. So if you haven't seen any Star Wars, you're not that familiar with it, then hit pause, dedicate about a month of your life Uh, to go watch all the movies and the cartoons and the episodic TV shows, and then come on back and let's have this discussion uh, about Star Wars, which happens to be my favorite fandom in all of fandom. I am Will Rose. I'm a comic book geek. I am a huge Star Wars fan who also happens to be a Lutheran minister in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And I'm glad you are with us in this episode to talk about this. uh, One of my favorite characters in all the geek verse, and i'm joined with
0: uh, i am tj blackwell uh of the whole church podcast i don't really have a, a strong affiliation with a church system at the moment uh <laughs> unless you count some stuff that might technically
1: be me but i don't know hey and hey, uh, you're you're just a simple man i'm just a guy way through a complicated universe right just a dude there you a go. grain of sand on a beach <laughs> A grain of sand and an ocean of Tatooine sand dunes, you know. That's what we all are. Man, we're getting philosophical right up from the start. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, T.J. and I did a character dive on Boba Fett uh, not too long ago to kind of get us ready for this TV show. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, we do encourage you to go back and listen to that. We talk about the history of Boba Fett, that mysterious bounty hunter that only had just a few lines in his movie debut in The Empire Strikes Back. And then uh, a man of few words very mysterious, the coolest looking uniform and helmet in all the galaxy. And uh, then since then, since that time in in 1980, boy, his story has just expanded and expanded and expanded and uh, evolved into where we get uh, many years later, this uh, TV show, his own story on on disney plus and so we'll set the context just a little bit yeah we encourage you to go back and listen to that character dive but uh, as we said yeah boba fett had his debut in the toy line and the holiday special and a parade and then showed up on the screen in the empire strikes back with just a few lines uh, but since that movie he's been a part of the the prequels episodes one through three he's uh Boba Fett has had his story entangled with the Clone Wars uh, cartoon and animated series uh, in Star Wars, and then uh, he shows up again in The Mandalorian. You know, we at the at the end, or should we say, at the beginning of the imp- of uh, the Return of the Jedi, uh, Boba Fett supposedly dies in that Starlight Pit, and even though he dies there or gets swallowed up with this kind of weird sand dune creature, uh, there's all this speculation and even um kind of the legends and TV, uh, I guess, books and comic books of did Boba Fett survive the Starlight Pit? And if he did, what would that look like? And there there are a lot of books out there in the expanding universe that kind of share that story, but it's never really been canon on the big screen or, or even small screen until we get to the TV show The Mandalorian. And TJ I don't know about you, but in watching The Mandalorian, the TV show, there's in season two uh, with um, chapter 13, the Jedi uh, Ahsoka shows up and that episode was absolutely amazing. It blew me out of the water. It, I was just so so impressed by that episode. I just geeked out so hard on that episode. Um, I, were you familiar with Ahsoka before that episode? And then what were oh, your yeah. thoughts when she showed up on, on that in live action?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm, 22. So I kind of grew up with the Clone Wars animated series, right. which, you know, Ahsoka, annoying at first because she's a kid, but so was I, I guess. So, <laughs> but yeah, as you go there. through the series, she becomes an excellent Jedi, then a great Jedi, since we're doing spoilers. And, mm-hmm. you know, they finished the Clone Wars two years ago. On Disney Plus, and it was incredible. You get to see how powerful Ahsoka is, and pretty much universally loved in the Star Wars in the younger Star Wars fan base at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people still hate her for being an annoying teenager, but to see her in live action was awesome because we don't really get Togruta live action. Like we had Shock T was in the prequels a little, but we don't really see her do anything. <laughs> and uh, Rosario Dawson, was it, that played yeah, Ahsoka? Yes, exactly right. Did yep, a great yep. job.
1: Ah, oh, she's fantastic.
0: And just the intricacies in, you know, having, they don't call them Leku, but whatever their head tails are, <laughs> and the acrobatic fighting style that Ahsoka is known for, which was not there as much, but it was still really awesome to see, you know, an animated character in live action.
1: Yeah. And, you know, her emergence into the Star Wars uh, lore and canon, you know, what was mixed with was with mixed fan reaction, like like most Star Wars fans, what happens with Star Wars fans. Uh, But, yeah, she grew out of that annoying teenage kid. I'm sure if I went back and met 13, 14, 15 18, even 20-year-old Will, I'd probably be annoyed as well. Uh, But yeah, thankfully, we all grow. And to see her grow and to become who she is. And that last arc in The Clone Wars really... Uh, goes deeper into her story and where she ends up mm-hmm. and you know in terms of this organized jedi religion and she's spiritual but not religious she has a fallout she has a deconstruction when it comes to the jedi religion and and rightfully so all those things are happening that they're they're dealing with um and so there are rumors that she would show up in a live action at some point and here she shows up in in the Mandalorian. and that episode of of seeing her play by rosario dawson uh, was just incredible, and then we still had a c- couple episodes left in the Mandalorian, and I was like, "How are they going to top it? There's no way they're going to top that that episode." Well, uh, in chapter 14 of the Mandalorian, uh, chapter 14 called "The Tragedy," about halfway through the episode, a fourth through the episode, all of a sudden this ship flies across the sky, and you can see that it's the slave, Slave One, Boa uh, spaceship. And we're like, oh my force. Did that just happen? What is going on? Is he really going to show back up? And so here, Boba Fett shows up. He's alive. He wants his armor back. Uh, you have the Mandalorian and you have him with his own Mandalorian armor. And they, and so they kind of go into that story. And at the end of the Mandalorian, uh, that second series, there's this teaser. The book of Boba Fett is coming. Uh, you will see Boba Fett again in the book of Boba book of Boba Fett. And here we are uh, watching it now. Um, uh, And it's it's his time to shine. He gets his own story. It's not just an episode. It's not just a half episode. He gets his own series to kind of go deeper into what happened to him, how is he still alive, and and what brings him to this point in the Star Wars universe. Uh, So yeah, here we are. Uh, Chapters one and two, waited a long time. Uh, TJ, what were your initial reactions to episodes one and two? They were separated by two weeks. Uh, we get another episode this week, but but we're just going to talk about episode one and two. And then perhaps at the end of the whole series, we'll come back and do our reflections at the end about what we thought of it. But what were your, what were your thoughts of one and two?
0: So uh, upon, you know, first watch episode one, chapter one, I, I really wasn't that impressed. Uh, I thought there was some good action. I thought, man, Boba talks a whole lot when he's not getting shot at. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, after the episode ended, I was like, well, it's the first episode. It's a good intro episode. It's a good setup episode. I wasn't super impressed. I thought it was okay. Which might not live up to some people's expectations, but I I have none. So... (laughs) Uh, episode two, however, I thought was great. Uh, hmm. You know, you get to see a little Boba action in episode one. He kills that huge sand monster, which I did not recognize. from any. Brand, Brand new. And, uh, you know, you see him fight those six dudes who, uh, you know, I feel like he and Finnick shouldn't have gotten taken down like that. But mm-hmm. Boba's old, I guess. So <laughs> still recovering from his Sarlacc digestion cycle but right uh you do get to see some action some train heist action uh you know it sort of feels like that western old not school true. movie uh teaching all of these people how to you know stand up for themselves and uh it was a really sick sequence i really enjoyed the second episode uh watching tuscan raiders drive speeders and not even rob a train just dismantle a train that was, it was really awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think I wasn't, um, I was underwhelmed with episode one and I feel like similar to my feelings of the Mandalorian season two, the first episode, uh, I felt a very, very uh, similar vibe or at least where it sat with me. Mandalorian season two, the, the first episode, the first chapter there, um, was a little underwhelming. I guess I was looking forward to it so much expectations and it felt kind of more the same. And I was like, wow, we're kind of back on Tatooine, back at doing the same things we've been doing now as the episode went along. And of course, as that whole series moved along, it just built to this epic finale that, that was some of the best star Wars I've ever seen. And, and so I'm trusting this, uh, this series will do the same. Um, episode one felt more of the same. Uh, I'm glad I saw him in the starlight pit, I'm glad I saw him come out of Sarlacc pit. I'm glad to see how he survived and the back to tank and them using that as a device for flashbacks of of his story of of where he is and where he's going. And I think we learned that as, chu- as cute as Jawa's can be sometimes be, we we've learned that they are really the the true villain and uh, brutal alien of the Star Wars universe. It's There's true. nothing more be- brutal than than the Jawas. Man, we're learning what the the real villains are in the yeah. stars universe. But, but, um, so that had its moments, but by the end of that, I was kind of like, okay, good setup, But, but I was kind of uh, underwhelmed. We jump into chapter two and, and man, I felt like that really started to hit its drive and I, and I loved it. There was the, some character reveals that didn't see coming. And, and what I heard was that the initially the series was supposed to be just six episodes Uh, then they expanded it to seven and my thoughts are, I could be wrong here, uh, where that they took the first episode and split it into two. So, so episode two, chapter two, uh, made episode one better for me. Uh, it felt like one continuous story. And so I think they tried to break it up a little bit and, and string along for a couple of weeks and give us a couple extra weeks of story, which is, which is fine, but, but definitely chapter two made chapter one better for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You um, get you get to see uh, some more huts. You get the twins. Uh, you get the Pikes, who are a big part of the uh, Clone Wars animated series, and also a part of the the Solo movie, the Han Solo movie with Spice and that whole lore. And then, um, man, TJ, did you know of this? Kind of dark and mysterious Wookiee that also happened to be a gladiator or a bounty hunter. Did you know of this character before so this? He he looks familiar.
0: I want to say he was in a comic book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I've definitely seen like the face before. But I have when learned. he yeah, when he came out around the corner from these huts, it was cool to see the huts, and I was glad when you heard those drums. You're like, "Here, here we go! Uh, something's about to go down." And and that was cool. I thought the CGI was was pretty good, all, all those things. But when um, and I'm always have a hard time pronouncing this guy's name, but it's Black Um Carstantin or something like mm-hmm. that. Crastan um, BK is what we're calling him, uh, the Bounty Hunter uh, Wookie, and and he is a part of the comics. He showed up in. Jason Aaron's run in early when Marvel um, reacquired the star Wars comic book license through Disney uh, they relaunched Marvel comics uh, star Wars comics with Jason Aaron and some, some crazy. I, I highly suggest that people read Marvel's, um, Star Wars comics with Jason Aaron and John Cassidy all the way through. When you get to like, uh, issue 14 or 15, this count, ca- this character shows up, this bounty hunter. He is, he. there's a mini series crossover called Vader down, which was very good. Darth Vader crashes his starship on this planet and the rebels have him surrounded. And it looks like there's no way Darth Vader's going to get away from this. But of course, Darth Vader is Darth Vader and he, he, he gets away. And then this, this Wookiee bounty hunter shows up, um, uh, out of out of nowhere and you're kind of like wow what is this guy's story and uh so h- seeing him and he has some ties for Boba Fett in that series so they have a pass so when Boba Fett looks at uh BK we'll call him and says why do you need this gladiator well he was a he was a, a Wookiee from Kashik that was um kidnapped and brought into the gladiator pit and rose up the ranks in the gladiator pit and eventually became a bounty hunter. Uh so so I'm I'm thinking there's going to be another confrontation between him and Boma Fett by the end of this series, but just just revealing him for a few seconds, that was my jaw-dropping moment of like, oh my gosh, they did it. Yeah. They brought a character that I didn't see coming. There's other people I was thinking, maybe they'll show up, but had no idea they're going to pull that toy out of the toy yeah. box. And they did a, a really
0: good job. Like he looked really good in live action. <laughs> I was pretty impressed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and even my family, when they were watching it, uh, you know, they're casual fans They're they'll watch with me because they put up with what dad loves and, and they like star Wars. But when he came around the corner, it, there was a gasp in the room, like, Whoa, who is that? And so I thought that was, that was well done. And I don't want the, it's not like the whole series has to be that way, but I thought, You know, it'd be nice to have one of those in episode one, uh, but but maybe it was episode two was a part of that. And to have that story was was pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And so you get this kind of 70s, 80s throwback TV show, uh, Western Kung Fu kind of Planet of the Apes gritty uh, uh, series. and, And I think they're playing into that and. And I'm glad that they're doing that and I, I like it. Um, but it is kind of a slow burn for me. I know they're gonna build to a, a big finale and and that kind of that's where we're headed. Uh, but so far, um, of course I'm I'm on board and, and and loving it.
0: Yeah, they did name it the book of Boba Fett, and it does feel like reading a
1: book on a screen. It's not right. very fast. hmm Yep. Yep. Um let's transition a little bit and be intentional to go into kind of the um, philosophical, theological, what questions does it arrive? We mentioned before that uh, kind of sci-fi, what sci-fi should do or or can do is that um, at its best, it, it sets the human condition uh, in a different and imaginative, speculative situation um, to see if we can explore the human condition or what we wrestle with uh, from a different angle. And so what is Star Wars if it's not The hero's journey, a redemption arc, uh, a character transformation. We mentioned Ahsoka going from like a teenage Padawan all the way to having a fallout with her Jedi religion and taking on a different mantle of how she uses the Force, becoming mature and a mentor to others. And and throughout Star Wars, that's kind of what Star Wars at its best. That's what it does. Whether it's with Anakin or Luke or Han or Rey or Finn, they take a character. And they have their hero's journey, their, their redemption arc. They learn along the way and become something different by the end of the story. And so here is Boba's turn. And you can make the case it's even uh, the Tusken Raiders' uh, turn as well. The Sand People, who are kind of like the villains, the savages in the Star Wars universe. But now we're getting to see them as as. Uh, their own entity, their own people, their own humanity is being revealed as the original indigenous people of Tatooine. And they have their own story and culture and religion um, to share. And we're starting to see see that emerge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Tuscan Raiders always felt like a, a thinly veiled racial allegory to me. Right. Just because, you know, point for point without the disease and Systemic annihilation of their race. It it feels pretty much like uh, colonial America. Yeah. And then you get to teach them how to rob a train, which, you know, that's some great 1860s action.
1: Yeah, that's right. And so there's that mutuality between the two. And I think that's that's what I'm liking about this is that in terms of. Uh, if you're going to do sci-fi and talk about the human condition and, and our brokenness and our hopes and our dreams and what we hope to get out of society and what we truly long for, you have these these two people or these two cultures that are are clashing with one another and they're learning from another. They're growing from one another. And, yeah, there's some some allegory there when it comes to colonialism. But but they also talk about, which I didn't know or even realize, maybe it's somewhere else in the expanded universe, that Tatooine was a was a. Uh, an ocean planet at some point and it dried out and the dunes of Tatooine, they're, they're digging up these urchins that have water within. So mm-hmm. where you have these, um, vapor moisturizers that they're the skywalkers are using uh but then you have these kind of people that live off the land who know how to glean these ancient sea creatures for water and, and they put boba to work and um but then there's this mutuality that happens between the two as they learn from one another and become in deeper into relationship with each other
0: right and i really like it feels kind of like a tuscan raiders anthology almost At some points, because it shows you how they survive. It shows you how they make their weapons, which while watching episode two with my roommate, I was like, where do they get wood? Where does (laughs) the wood come from? Yeah. And it's like, no, you just, you go on a bad trip. You do some crazy drugs and that's where (laughs) you find the wood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah and and they're not perfect. Yeah, they're they're brutal people. They have their own culture like yeah, they're they're torturing him, they're dragging him through the sand. They find him where are they use him for for this kind of yeah, you know, indentured servitude of finding water for them. Uh but how does he win them back? What does he do? How does he earn their trust? Um and and i don't know if we'll see the whole series of them with the tuscans maybe this is just their story in these flashbacks maybe we'll learn more that um this particular tribe was wiped out by the huts or something else and that's going to piss boba fett off and, and he's got to go out there for revenge he is a different person than he was in um in the actual movies and uh-huh. where he is now this whole sense of i want to earn uh, respect, not out of fear. I'm not going to torture people. And so he's learned and grown along the way. And so we're starting to learn how, why is he different? He's not the bounty hunter we knew in the Empire Strikes Back or even Return of the Jedi. He's emerging out of the sands as a different person and continuing to grow. And so why is he that way? Why is he not as brutal? Why does he want to do uh, kind of take over Jabba's throne and have a different take on it or, or, or rule it in a different way?
0: Right. I think that is what they're getting to show us uh, why he is this way now through these flashbacks, through the back to tank flashbacks. Yep. yep. Which, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. I uh, Also, I really like that they aren't afraid to make him talk. Right. You know, like, like they are steadily like tearing down the mysterious facade mm-hmm. and they're making him more relatable, which... You know, I can't really decide if I like or not because I love mysterious Boba Fett.
1: Right, he does have his helmet off way too much, and he's talking too much. Uh, but, but that's just you know someone who's used to him being the other way. So mm-hmm. he's growing mm-hmm. and emerging as a different character, and so his helmet off, um, talking more, we get to learn more of who he is and what's he about. And th- those flashbacks are helping uh, when it comes yeah. when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, I like to think that uh, after being in the Sarlacc pit, he developed claustrophobia.
1: He just can't have his helmet on for that long. He's like, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. I'm in the bowels of this creature, um, which I I got a lot of texts after that scene or the next day. And they were like, were you not grossed out by what's going on? What happened? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Star Wars. Weird Star Wars is good. Star Wars, whether it's my trippy mind lizards or the bowels of the Sarlacc, we want to see that. that.
0: I kind of was hoping that the lizard would just stay in his brain forever. That would be a really fun oh. character quirk. Dang. But then yeah, it we didn't, comes did,
1: out. I guess he gave it back. Yeah. I guess he gave the lizard back. Um, yeah. That would have been something if he was like putting his pocket and he was like, well, I'll, I'll bring this out whenever I need it later on down the road. Um, he gave the lizard. Back. No, just- <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Sleep. Uh, don't sleep with your nose open uh, folks. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, Boba's transformation, I, I do think it's interesting we think about his story, his transformation, this hero journey, this redemption arc, whether he's gonna be anti-hero or whether he be fully redeemed at the end or not. We uh th- I don't know where that's gonna go. He's not gonna be a perfect hero, uh squeaky clean by the end of this, but to see him grow as a character is neat. And I can um kind of place my story and um kind of my own life into his and what would I do in that situation and, and who am I in the midst of that? So I, I, I do think it's intentional that here's this guy who was born. Okay. We say cloned, uh, on a water planet Camino, right. Mm-hmm. Um, then ends up on a sand planet. Uh, and, but he's then hunting water. So we have these flashbacks of this chaotic, watery, wavy planet where he was born. And then he's placed in this kind of dry, arid, stagnant sand planet, uh, but where he's finding uh, healing, where he's finding transformation or at least flashbacks to his former life is in a bacta tank uh, or pod or a bathtub filled with water that is healing him uh, and working through uh his junk you know I mean I think our own dreams our own flash we, as our subconscious come to the surface we're resting a lot of things dreams are biblical in a sense of giving signs or prophetic words to folks to help them direct them in their life and so here we have Boba Fett going through um, this situation and this transformation and and as a Lutheran minister who one of our sacraments in the church is, is baptism I can't help but have that baptismal imagery of him in the bat, bacta tank um, in that water of, of a healing transformation that's happening uh, within his life and within his vocation and, and, and a new purpose uh, where what that's guiding him in his life. All right. Um, and then there's a whole thing, you know, about uh being buried. And it's it's not subtle at all. They're they're taking their lead from other stories. He was buried, he was left for dead, he he rose again out of the sand. Um, He is empowered to use his gift to help transform a community to be something different. And then in the midst of his kind of uh, trippy mind lizard, whether you want to call it the Holy Spirit or whatever, he becomes entangled with with a tree. Um, And then he comes out of that tree um, redressed with new garments with reborn with, with a new purpose. So, so it's not subtle imagery there of what transformation has taken place. We we know of a story where someone where it's a tree of life that someone becomes entangled with that then transforms the world and gives us new garment, a new hope, uh, a new purpose in, in the world. New hope, new hope, new hope. Um, yeah so those those images are are there for us and and again uh, we'll we'll see what happens um for the rest of this series and and where these these themes continue to go but i'm I'm along for the ride uh there was that uh kind of foreshadowing in the midst of of yeah he's emerging as a new uh person with new garments and with revised and reformed um vigor purpose in this world but but this mayor that he becomes face to face with this mayor who either did or didn't put a hit out on him uh, uh mock she i think is how you say this this mayor's name um he says a little bit of advice running a family is more difficult than bounty hunting so of course that sits with me. I, I value my family very, very much, but yes, I also know uh, whether it's immediate or extended or big family tree, sometimes family can be pretty complicated. Mm-hmm. And as I help shepherd a family of faith at a church, yeah, the family of faith can be, can be complicated. Uh, it's messy. It's not perfect. Uh, it's not formulatic. It's, it's like there, it's all over the place. So how did that phrase hit, hit you TJ, this whole thing? Do you, is it going to come back to haunt Boba Fett? Did you resonate with it? So as a former
0: mob boss myself, I could feel that very heavily. <laughs> That's why I left. It's, uh, it's come out too hard. Oh, for nobody me. hunts you down. But, uh, I think it's definitely going to get him. Uh, it doesn't seem like Boba's doing too well. At running a family, uh, a crime family, as it were. But uh, it just kind of hit me as like, man, eh, he's going to have to deal with this somehow. He's either going to succeed in changing the way that things are run on Tatooine in this part of Tatooine, or he's going to fail miserably. And right, uh, we changing, all know he's not in the next couple movies.
1: So, <laughs> yeah well. he's 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 not in the the force awakens unless he's doing something else on another planet s- somewhere but but yeah change is hard and so when you become a different person uh when you try to make change happen within a community or a system uh that, that's not the easiest thing uh we live in family systems we live in uh systems organized religion denominations traditions um, we know, in terms of our own culture, there's systemic racism and cultural bias, and those things is is hard to change. It's hard to move the needle, and so when someone tries to do something a little differently, there's going to be pushback on that. And so I think here, here he is. He didn't even, remember. He didn't even want to be carried into the town, like which is part of their tradition of you carry the mob boss on people's shoulders. And he was like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm gonna walk on my own two feet. Um, even that was looked upon like, who is this guy? I think he is. So, so he's going to try to enact some change mm. and and he's going to get some pushback. And I think that's what the rest of the series is going to show us with some fun cameos and fun action scenes and fights and lasers. And I don't know if there'll be laser swords or other people that will, will happen uh, or show up in this. But, um, but yeah, I think that phrase is going to stick out running a family is you'll know, find more difficult than the bounty hunting.
0: Right. It is funny because everywhere he goes, everyone's like, oh, we didn't see your palanquin or whatever phrase they use for it. And it's like, yeah. But well, we would have prepared. And I was like, I'm just. I'm just trying to walk because <laughs> like what you can see when they bring in the twin huts, they are struggling. Yeah, they are. Yeah, struggling. Yeah. Two huts. Uh, we actually thought it was hilarious. We were watching uh, <laughs> when they were looking at us on the left corner, I think was a Twi'lek woman and she was just. She was struggling hard. She was yeah. doing her absolute best. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think you also have within the Star Wars universe, like any sci-fi, they they pick apart all all the systems that we're a part of, whether it's um the economic system, the social class, the the bullies, uh, the rebels, the empire, who who is the oppressor, who are those that are oppressed, and and who's fighting for uh freedom. And and I think it invites us into that story to think about that in our own lives, our own culture, our own family systems, our own um, Christian traditions, to think, to, to open our eyes and to have a wider view of uh, who's carrying us, uh, who are we carrying, uh, how does this system shake out in terms of the oppressed, the oppressor, and and what, what is our moral compass that leads us out of that to do something different within within those systems? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, as we head on, uh, before we share some other things, what, what, are, what are your hopes for the rest of uh, this series? Are, are, I know you said you usually go with no expectations, but are some things along the way that you'll hope see resolved or, or any cameos you hope to see? Uh, well, I hope it's good. <laughs> you know,
0: I hope I enjoy watching it. I don't you know, I'm not trying to place my expectations on someone else's work. Uh, you know, the whole series as a whole is pretty much what I wanted anyway. Got to see him crawl out of the Sarlacc pit. Get raided by (laughs) some Jawas.
1: Man, they're brutal. They are brutal.
0: They're the worst. Man. And you know that if you played Star Wars Battlefront 2, or like Lego Star Wars, they'll just run around with those zap guns and they will get you.
1: They are (laughs) awful. Uh... Yeah, I think I think that's a healthy way to do it. And I, I gotta keep myself in check when it comes to that. to hold my expectations in check and I'm along for the ride. They're going to tell some good stories that there may be some things that I hope they wish they do a little different or show more of. But, you know, I, I do hope we get to see Slave 1 in action. Um, I don't know if they're going to go off world. I'm, I'm kind of you yeah, know, they're. We're going to do, here's a little teaser. Hopefully, we're going to do a systematic ecology, talk about the different planets in the Star Wars universe and some of our favorite planets and, and settings and environments. And, um, you know, I, I, we spent a lot of time on Tatooine in this oh, franchise. Yeah. And, and and I'm like, golly, I'm starting to feel like Anakin. There's sand everywhere, and I'm getting tired of it. And um, But, you know, I don't know if this series is going to take us off world, if we're going to get on the Slave 1 and go somewhere else. Um, I would like to see his ship. I would like to see him do that i know in the mandalorian there's a big kind of finale epic finale with the legacy character when when luke skywalker showed back up uh, with a cgi de-aged kind of technology it it, it it literally my eyes welled up with tears about how how awesome it was um i don't know if they're going to do that in this series there's there's rumors that there could be a han solo cameo uh, but now that they showed bounty Hunter Wookie, uh, BK as we call him, because I can't pronounce his name. Uh, who knows if Chewie will show up. That seems like the most obvious thing that you could do without having to kind of mess with anybody's young face, old face timeline, aging kind of thing. You could bring Chewie on board pretty easy as, as a cameo, but if they go that direction, um, cool. If not, I just want to see Boba Fett story come to at least some conclusion and who knows what they'll use him in. And the stories uh, to come, whether it's Mandalorian st- uh, season three or even the Obi-Wan series, there. there's so many, so much potential out there for these shows, and so we're along for the ride. Yeah, I, you
0: know it's always exciting to see where it goes, and we don't have enough notable Wookies.
1: I know, and I'm ready to see a. Uh, you know, it's there in, in Clone Wars. It's there in the comics. There, there are some Jedi Wookies out there, mm-hmm. and I would love to see a Jedi Wookiee on in live action in one of these episodes or in a movie at some point. I, hopefully, we'll get some Wookiee with uh, just going to town with a lightsaber. Oh it's, yeah, this is really one of my things. I really hope to see at some yeah, point. There's a, Star Wars
0: storytelling. There's a new. Wookiee Jedi named Burry Yaga in the High Republic books that are coming out right now. Yeah, Very pretty cool. good. And I personally want to see them fight more like Yoda than Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Yoda's scary when he's flipping around. I know. But a, a Wookiee would be much scarier doing that.
1: All that hair flying everywhere, the shedding. Yeah. Man, that's, that's pretty awesome. Looks like fighting a Cousin It. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um I'm enjoying it, we'll keep enjoying it, and then we'll we'll do something when this series wraps up. Uh let's let's tie in a little scripture. We like to do that here at Systematic Ecology. Uh some scripture that came to mind. The 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 chapter one of the book of Boba Fett was called Stranger in a Strange Land, and it got me thinking about uh in a sense of of our reflection on how we treat the stranger, how we treat the the alien, the refugee. Um, the foreigner in our midst, and and right there in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 through 34, it reads, when an alien resides with you in your land, you shall not oppress the alien. The alien who resides with you shall be to you as this citizen among you. You shall love the alien as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God." So right there at the beginning of Israel's story, you have this sense of remember that you were a stranger in a strange land. Remember, you were an alien. Remember, you were oppressed. And so remember that when the stranger, the alien, the immigrant, the refugee comes into your midst, treat them as you wish you were treated when you were in a foreigner's land. Right. And so that can go again as we think about the systems we're a part of, whether it's our country, our churches, uh, our family systems. How do we treat the the stranger? How do we welcome the stranger? And then, and then, how are we transformed by the relationships that we are entangled with, with the communities we're entangled with? We are not uh, just humans in a vacuum by ourselves, individuals. We're we're entangled with others, and we have an effect on one another. We grow from those relationships as we see Boba Fett and whatever story franchise you're a part of. Um, the same can happen, happen with us. And I love that particular version. There's different versions of, of scripture that translate it differently. But of course when we're talking about star Wars when that uses not the stranger or, or the immigrant, but it uses uh, alien. I think that's, that's pretty, pretty fun. Yeah. And then uh, Matthew 25 um, Jesus, when he's sharing this parable of of uh, whether people recognize him or not, chapter 25, Matthew, chapter 25, 31 through 40, uh, Jesus talks about uh, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. What you do to the least of these you do unto me. So how do we see others as um, Jesus himself and uh, the alien, the immigrant, the refugee, the stranger in our midst?
0: right yeah. there you go things would be a little easier if everyone did that
1: that's right it's hard it's hard it's hard it's messy you know uh running a family is uh can be difficult um but then how do we expand our family grow our family and as we see at least in the star wars franchise and others um that kind of redemption art, the hero's journey. Where are we in the story? How are we growing and becoming the people God is is calling us to be? I think is is the most important thing that we're called to reflect on. All right, recommendations as we come to the end of this episode, uh, Systemic Ecology. I know I like to hear as as big and as entrenched I am with geek culture, uh, comic books, and the movies and sci fi. Um, I'm amazed at uh, the depth of what people are into. And I always learn something new of what people are, are watching or reading or playing in, in their lives. So, TJ, you got any recommendations, recommendation, anything you're geeking out on that you'd like to, to share with the folks out there?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I actually mentioned them earlier already, uh, but it's the High Republic series of books that's coming out right now. Uh, and I am talking about the ones written for adults. Not like, you know, the middle school ones. I haven't read those yet. I'm sure they're fine. Uh, but I highly recommend you go to Barnes & Noble or a local library. Uh, my personal local library got torn down right before COVID, so they could remodel it, and, uh, and COVID hit. So it is just a <laughs> patch of dirt there you still. Go. But uh, they are Light of the Jedi uh, by Charles Sewell, uh, mm-hmm. The Rising Storm. By Kevin Scott, and The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. I read the first two last week because I just couldn't put them down in like two and a half days, three days. Nice. And uh, I haven't read the third one yet. It came out on the fourth, which uh, as of today was six days ago. So gonna go get that, and I'm just super impressed uh, by this era of Star Wars. I love this era of Star Wars. It's not quite the Old Republic. Yoda is alive and is already a Jedi mm-hmm. master. Uh, cause he's only like 700,
1: you know, <laughs> right. But it's not a really good story. Yeah. That young old chap. Um, yeah, I, I read the lie of the Jedi. Charles, uh, soul is, is really good. He's a great comic book author author as well. He's done a lot of work on daredevil. He's written a lot of star Wars comics too. And, uh, there's a good job, great storyteller. And that's a great book. Um, yeah. I, I recommend that as, as well. I, I want to recommend uh, going back and, and reading Marvel's reboot of the star Wars comic books with Jason Aaron and John Cassidy. I've probably shared that before another other podcast, but but really is the art and the storytelling. It happens in the timeline right after um, a new hope in between a new hope and, and the empire strikes back. So there's some good storytelling in there as they're learning and growing as, as a small band of, of rebels. Um so I recommend that. And then then read Vader down. As, I'm, I'm sure they're going to collect it into a trade now that this it's our our dark uh, bounty hunter Wookiee is a part of this Boba Fett series that it will get a lot of push. Those comic books are gonna probably skyrocket on on eBay. But you find his origin story and find him in the comics, it'll be it'll be fun. And then one more plug or one more uh, suggestion. I'm reading this sci-fi book called The Three Body Problem. It's by a Chinese author. And I can't pronounce the author's name. Uh, I'm not even going to try to butcher it, but it's called The Three-Body Problem. And people have recommended it to me in the years past. And it's a pretty trippy uh, sci-fi novel dealing with quantum physics and physics and um, the world and what's going on. And so... Uh, I'm about 100 pages in and it's it's making me Google a lot of quantum theory, quantum mechanics, quantum physics terms to try to wrap my head around what they're talking about. But it's it's certainly expanding um, uh, my mindset and, and my universe and thinking through things. Yeah,
0: That is quite the name. I looked it up to see if I could help. Yep.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'm not even going to try. Uh, but he's written a lot of books and they had. So there's a translator who did it um, put into English. For us and people like me, um, but it's a good book. Good book. I recommend it. You can't read Chinese? No. 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 Well. I think if you gave me one symbol and told me what it was, I could read it and then – or one letter and then I would probably forget the next day. So I can okay. barely read English, TJ. I can barely read English. <laughs> uh, uh, this was fun. Um, Boba Fett's awesome. Love his character. I love what they're doing with him. And I can't wait to see what happens at the end of uh, this series. And we'll, we'll circle back around when the series is done in a, in a month or so and and do a, a wrap-up show to, to see what we think of the series and what emerges in his story. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, we do invite uh, you guys who are listening to visit the sy- Systematic Ecology website. That's .org. .org. Um, Listen to our other episodes, uh, share with us what uh, some topics that you want to hear in the new year. And if there's anything we're not covering, let us know. We also have a Patreon page where you can uh, support the show and uh, help us keep it running, expanding our audience, and expanding our reach, expanding our universe as we try to uh, grow our community. It's really fun online community happening on on Facebook and other platforms where people are sharing memes and their thoughts and, and polls. and. And really, really fun stuff. So that's kind of our vision, um, is to continue to grow and expand our our community and and support one another as we navigate our lives and our faith and those things that we geek out on. Mm -hmm. TJ, anything else I'm forgetting? We need a plug to remind people about. If you want to hear more
0: from me, if you like what I said here and would prefer it if it were much more theological, uh, check out the Whole Church Podcast, wherever you're listening to this now. Uh, which I co-host with another member of Systematic Ecology, uh, Joshua Knoll. And we'd
1: love to have you over there. Well, cool. Yep. Thanks, y'all. And remember, friends don't let friends do mind lizards. And also remember, we are a chosen people, a geekdom of priests.